It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Totten's Tom. Welcome to the Totten's Tom podcast, your Tennessee Totten's podcast for the Pigskin Podcast Network. My name is Tanner Staggs. I'm here, as always, with my brother, Tyler Staggs. Tyler, go ahead, kick off the show, plug everything, get all that out of the way. Guys, if you want to check out our merch, our shirts, phone cases, stickers, uh, shorts, and hope, I mean, wintertime, fall's coming, everything else, we're going to have to get some hoodies up on there as well. For sure. Make sure to go to titans-time.myshopify.com slash collections. If you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, make sure you're following or subscribed with on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Go down. Leave us a rating a rating of five stars. Leave us some comments, some questions. We love the interaction. If you're watching on YouTube, come on now, guys. You know what to do. Go down. That red subscribe button. Hit it. Turn it gray. Turn on the post notifications. Leave us a like on the video. Share the video with your family, friends, all other football fans. And go down. Leave us some comments. Let us know. I mean, we're fixing to get into the preview for the Titans at Seahawks game. Let us know how you think the game's going to go. Also, make sure that you're following us on social media, the ones that we're most active on. On Twitter, it's Titans underscore time. On Facebook, it is Titans time. And on Instagram, Titans time podcast. All right, let's get into the show. Let's talk about this week two matchup. Titans at Seahawks. They struggled in the home opener. They're going to be heading to Seattle. Before we get anything started talking about Titans or Seahawks, whatever, I guess technically this will be talking about the Titans. But before we get into the Seahawks, um, I'm going to go down through the injury report. Uh, the latest one as of today, which is Thursday. Um, so still plenty of time before game time for these guys to get healthy. But uh, as far as the guys that did not participate in practice, that is David Long and Caleb Farley. Obviously hoping that we – honestly, both of those guys. Hoping we can see well, both of those guys get out there in time. We know David Long was a no-go last week. Right. So hopefully – Maybe he'll get back this week. And Caleb Farley went from being a full participant yesterday to not practicing at all today. Um, don't really know all the full details on that, but uh, I wouldn't expect him to miss. Um, and then Bud Dupree also would not expect him to miss. He was a limited participant. Um, and everybody else down that was listed on the injury report, uh, that's A.J. Brown, Ferkser, uh, Harold Landry, Chris Jackson, Josh Reynolds, Derek Roberson, Jayon Brown, and Rashawn Evans. They were all full participants. Um, and I don't expect any of those guys to miss the game. One guy that I do want to mention, Amani Hooker, he has been put on IR. He mm-hmm. will obviously miss the game. That's going to be something that we're going to talk about in just a little bit, I would assume. Uh, because honestly, with the way that this Seahawks team plays, that's going to have some pretty big implications for how this game may go. It, it could. <laughs> it really could. And I just want to say, it really sucks because we were so looking forward to Amani Hooker coming into that starting role. You know, he's been a role player the past couple of years. As a role player and stepping in when Vaccaro got hurt last last year, he ended up coming and being tied for the lead on the team with interceptions. So, you know, it it's going to hurt having him gone. And I was actually wondering – at the game this past week, I seen him going into the locker room, you know, a little bit early. I think it was before halftime. I was like, man, ho- hopefully he ain't hurt. 
And then sure enough, a couple days later, gets put on IR. That's definitely a pretty big blow because Amani Hooker is somebody that I feel like played excellent last season. And honestly, he's one of the key pieces in that secondary. Um, so obviously going to miss a minimum of three games. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to be huge, especially in this Seattle game because they do have a strong passing attack. They can attack deep. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how I believe it's going to be Bradley Mc. Dougal. I was going to say, revenge game for Bradley McDougal. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, we'll see that. Um, Definitely see how he steps in and how he plays. That'll be interesting. Um, But let's get into talking about this Seahawks team. Um, We also could possibly see Dane Crookshank out there. I mean, he's he's another option. Yep. Um, So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how those guys step in, who um, really does the majority of the work, fill in that role, and honestly – how they do because that's a big place to to step into uh, against a veteran quarterback like Russell Wilson and some good receivers like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Yeah, I mean guys who are really good deep threats. I mean we've seen that. Normally, when you think of the Seahawks, um, I know for me at least over the past couple of years, when you think of that deep shot that they're taking downfield, you think that they're going to DK Metcalf. I mean, just over the past couple of years, Tyler Lockett's been around around a little bit longer. Um, but he was the one killing the Colts on those deep passes last week. So, you know, you would like to have Amani Hooker back there and guys that you know they've kind of been working together more on this defense so that the top doesn't get taken off our defense. Yeah, because it was several times in that game against the Colts in week one that it was just like Tyler Lockett would just blow past. uh, I can't exactly remember who the safety was. Um, I want to say that, yeah, Kari Willis, um, Colts safety, he absolutely got completely thrashed by Tyler Lockett all game long. It was like several times, even when Lockett didn't make a play downfield, that you could see him absolutely blowing past him and uh, Will, Willis in the secondary. And, uh, I mean, that's just going to have to be something that the Titans watch for because especially with having somebody else step in, not having a money hooker there, that's something – I mean, I feel like that's a job for Kevin Byard, honestly, because you, I don't think you leave that up to one of those guys that's stepping in. Well, we need Kevin Byard to do something. We need the old Kevin Byard. He's got – I mean, he got beat a couple times this past couple the, – the, this past week – I'll get it right here in a minute. Um, But one time when he got beat by DeAndre Hopkins for that one touchdown, that I've been seeing a lot of people. I don't think that was a bad play by him. It it was bad coaching. It was a bad call because you had DeAndre Hopkins in the slot and you had Kevin Byard on him. Yeah, I mean that that's not a matchup that you you want. You don't want you know your safety on. A number one guy like that, right? Especially playing off, you know, off of him. And you think about it, you know, Seattle's going to be watching that, and they'll move Lockett around into the slot. They may pull Metcalf into the slot. And one thing I was going to say is, in the game against the Colts, Metcalf wasn't really, you know, affected, effective, or targeted in the first half. Right. You know, he done all of his work in the second half. But, you know, when you focus so much on him, you can't forget that Tyler Lockett, he's he's a threat. Tyler Lockett is arguably a better wide receiver than DK Metcalf, in my opinion. He has a better route tree exactly. than Metcalf. Exactly. I, I will definitely um, give you that. I think, like, obviously physically, DK Metcalf is the the better receiver in that aspect. But Tyler Lockett is the more all-around I mean, he's, he's better all around. Uh, so I want to talk about this right quick because it's something we're going to have to see because obviously we don't want our – we want our safeties over the top, you know, making sure that no one gets behind them. So it's going to come down to our corners. What corner do you put on what guy? You know, that's something that we actually talked about last week while you were at the game because I was like – and to be honest, I haven't actually went back and, and looked at this – to really make sure that my take was right. But I was like, Jack rabbit is not a guy that 
you want to be your corner that's covering other number one wide receivers. So, and I pointed this out to you, and I also said it in our recap. I'm still not completely sold that that's the case. But at the same time, I'm not making the argument that he deserves to be on, you know, the opposing team's number one guy because he slipped a couple of times. Something about his cleats were not right with the grass. I mean, he's even made it a point that he's going to get out on the field early in Seattle to make sure he has the right cleats on so that that does not happen again. And, you know, the first play that we talked about where DeAndre Hopkins was wide open, I mean, Jackrabbit fell down. If he hadn't have fell down, that that play may not have been open. Right. And then there was another time when, like I said, DeAndre Hopkins ran a shorter route, and when Jackrabbit went to – you know, go and break on it, he slipped and fell, and you, you can't do anything. Like, it makes you look worse than what you actually were. Right. Well, I, I don't think – I'm not going to say that Jack Rabbit. he's not going to be my guy that I would put on Metcalf. And that is not because – I'm not, like, downgrading him to a second wide receiver because Tyler Lockett is obviously, you know, I right. said all around the better receiver. <laughs> so, I feel like personally he matches up a little bit better with Tyler Lockett. I feel like Christian Fulton is the guy to focus on Metcalf pretty much. I feel like, honestly, he is going to be capable of being able to contain Metcalf a little bit more just because of his skill set. I might be completely wrong on that. That's just my, I guess, my initial opinion on it when I when you first asked me that question. Um, that's kind of the way I felt about it last week during the game. Uh, just because Christian Fulton was playing really well last game. He was. And so he kind of came immediately to my mind as the guy that I'd like to see on Metcalf. That might not be the way that it lines up, but I'd like to see Fulton on, Met- on Metcalf and Jack Rabbit on Lockett. Really, as far as last week goes, there's only one play I can think of where Fulton really messed up. And there's kind of been some back and forth on whether or not the Titans were in cover three and Fulton done this or whether – Maybe they were in a different coverage and he was actually doing what he was supposed to do because people were saying it was a cover three. It was one of the catches that A.J. Green had along the sidelines where Amani Hooker almost got over there, like he was just a step or two away. And that's why people think that maybe it wasn't a cover three because if it was a cover three, Hooker wouldn't have been that close to the sideline. And But there was a underneath route, and if it was cover three, Fulton should be staying back. He shouldn't be biting on that underneath route. You know, at least keeping everything in front of him. But he came down. So that's kind of the only knock on him that I've heard from this previous game. But it's going to be interesting to see because, like you mentioned earlier, Metcalf is a big physical dude. Right. And he's fast. So that's why I think it's going to be interesting to see what corner they put on him because you want someone who can be physical with him, but that's also going to be able to hopefully keep up with him. And in an alternate universe where Caleb Farley (laughs) has played football in the past like year and a half and he's ready to go, Caleb Farley is the guy that is on Metcalf, but he's simply just not ready. Right, because you would love for him to be ready to go matching size with size and, you and know, speed with speed yeah and you know he's going to be physical exactly with Metcalf. but i honestly feel like if you threw him out there right now metcalf would have a field. it would it would you, be a bloodbath you, you would have to you know shade your coverage so much to the side that metcalf was on that locket that would, locket would, would have a day again. he would have a day so you can't do that um but like i mentioned you know whatever corner is on which guy you're still going to have to, I feel like, have some coverage over the top to make sure that neither one of those guys blow the top off the defense. So, I mean, to be completely honest here, a Titans defense that struggled to contain Kyler Murray and and that high-powered offense of the Arizona Cardinals, I mean, they're facing something really similar this week. They are. One bright side is that I feel like at least – not taking anything away from Russ because he's still one of the top quarterbacks in the league. But 
I don't think he has the quickness that Kyler Murray has. Not anymore. And, and, and like like you said, he used to. Yeah. But he doesn't anymore. And that could be the saving grace for the Titans because if their pass rush can get back there like they did a couple times on Murray where he was just able to make a play and make a miss, they may actually be able to get Russ down or make him throw it away. Now, here's my counterpoint to that, is what Russ lacks in speed because of how he is a lot older than Kyler Murray, he makes up for in experience. Oh, yeah, for sure. he has so much more experience than Kyler Murray. I mean, his NFL career is like Kyler Murray's, what, three, four times over? Uh, something uh, along those yeah, lines. Yeah, I can't remember exactly. So, I mean, he makes smart plays. He knows when to to actually extend the play and get out of the pocket, whereas Kyler Murray might be more likely to just do it just because he can. And Well, then, I, I don't know because he seemed to do a pretty good job against the Titans this past week. Well, of, I think they just honestly had a, a poor performance, which made him obviously, obviously just look like a genius right. in everything that he did. So I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how – you know, if they just had trouble with his athleticism or if Russ being more experienced but a little bit slower, if he'll still be able to get the upper hand on him like that, I don't know. Right. It'll be something interesting to see. Also, how will the offensive lines match up? Um, I don't exactly know how much work Arizona did on their offensive line last offseason, but I know that Seattle's is not great uh, because going back and watching the game, the, the Colts game, the Colts were able to get pressure on Russ they were especially early in the game they were able to force him out of the pocket not quite as much as the Seahawks were able to put pressure on the Colts but I mean that's something we'll talk about here in just a moment because that's a a completely different monster on the other side of the ball for the for the Seahawks it seems like Uh, but you know I mean it'll be interesting to see if guys obviously like Bud Dupree if he plays Harold Landry who we saw actually get some pressure last week he uh, looked good last week yeah, he, i mean he was getting a lot of pressure yeah, on Kyler. now granted he was never able to get a hold of him well not but, many people were but he was back there so <laughs> give him at least a participation medal for that one so <laughs> we don't do participation medals well you know um but he was able to get back there at least so that's something and maybe we'll see more of that against the seahawks because like i said i don't think their line is is very strong now that being said you know, switching to the Titans offensive line, if you were to just go off of last week, you would say that the Titans offensive line is not that strong. But I don't expect them to be that bad this week. I think we're going to see a a good turnaround with the offensive line. But like you mentioned, and you even sent out a tweet about this, the Colts arguably have one of the best offensive lines in the league. The Colts have a top five offensive line at least. And the Seahawks were able to get after Wentz. And even if they weren't actually getting him down or making him throw the ball away, he was having to stand in there and take shot after shot after shot because they would get to him, you know, right after he let the ball go. Right. You know, worst case. And, so and a lot they, of times he was having which don't get me wrong, we talked about this earlier. It it honestly probably helped him a little bit to make the decision quicker, but he had to do a lot of underneath passes and checkdowns to his running backs, which honestly the Seahawks were giving him underneath right. their zone. And if they happened to play man some, uh, I didn't really pay that much attention to see exactly what they were doing all the time. But anyways, their defense often really gave up that underneath stuff and not just in the way where it was an underneath pass and there there's somebody right there. There was a lot of times there was room for him to get the ball to him and those playmakers to try to do something with the ball. Well, and I'll say this. One of the biggest differences, though, that I noticed as far as thinking back to the Titans game and then comparing it to the Colts and Seahawks game is it seemed like when Arizona was getting after Tannehill – there wasn't even any openings and you know right up field in the line for him to kind of be able to shift around or move up in the pocket to make plays happen i mean the cardinals were getting a good rush up the middle too right one thing that the colts helped out carson wentz in doing is they opened it up a little bit more 
like, yes, Seattle was still getting around the edge and getting to him, and maybe there was a couple times they got up the middle, but the Colts O-line done a good job of opening up windows right in front of Carson Wentz to where, worst-case scenario, he was able to bail and you know run and gain a couple yards. And a lot of that probably you can credit to Quentin Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he's – I mean, listen, he's one of the best offensive linemen, if not the best. So out of the 18 pressures that the Seahawks got, that the Colts offensive line allowed, he didn't allow any of them. So, there you go. I mean, that just kind of speaks for him. Now their left tackle situation, that's a little bit different. Um, I think there was like four on that side. So that's going to be something to watch. Yeah, but, but they don't – Whoever they uh, signed in the offseason. Yeah, I'm that's – uh, he's not there. He's not there yet. Yeah, so, so, but you mentioned Lewan. You know, he's pretty much come out and said, I, "I have to do better." Me personally, I don't know that he fully, like, as far as the mental aspect of it, trust his knee yet. Yeah, I think he's. I, over, I get that vibe too. I think he's overcompensating for it in other ways, and that's what you know hurt him, and. You know the Seahawks are watching the film of the Titans and Cardinals and seeing moves that, you know, what Chandler Jones was doing that worked so well against this Titans offensive line. And we're probably going to see them put some of that into their game plan and be teaching their pass rushers this. And also seeing a clip of uh, Buda Baker putting Lewan on his ass. Yep. I mean, Lewan shifted his weight to his left leg, and when he went to try and shift it back, Buddha had the leverage and just shoved him back. Now you're talking about another safety who's bigger than Buddha Baker, and he he loves getting after the quarterback, and that's Jamal Adams. Well, this is exactly a point that I was going to make because this kind of speaks to how well the Seahawks – defensive line how well they were able to get to Wentz and I mean I don't know that they may have they may have came in knowing I don't know that they expected that the defensive line was going to be able to get so much pressure on their own who knows but Jamal Adams who last season averaged about eight blitzes per game and that was through 12 games I don't know necessarily if he only played 12 games or if they just counted 12 of his games regardless um, eight. So pretty high number there for a safety to blitz. This game, he only blitzed, blitzed twice. Oh, so, wow. I mean, that just kind of speaks to they didn't feel like they needed him. And that's a scary thing, honestly, right. that Jamal Adams can stay back and wreak havoc in the secondary rather than having to be coming up and blitzing. Yeah, because... I'm going to be honest with you. Up until the Colts played the Seahawks this past week and I went back and watched that game, I was thinking, okay, they've lost some of their corners. So, you know, that's not too big of a concern. I was thinking, you know, maybe all they really have that I'd forgot about them getting Dunlap. Right. I was like, Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams. If we watch out for those guys, you know, we're good. But after watching this game against the Colts, if their whole team, if their whole defense shows up ready to play like that and their line can continue getting after the quarterback like that, this is one of those Seattle defenses that you know it, we used to know. They have a good defense. And listen, there's a, a linebacker, uh, Brooks. He is – this is Bobby Wagner's team – if this guy hangs around in Seattle when it's no longer Bobby Wagner's team, it's his team because he played a great game. Um, he looks – I mean, it, honestly, it looks like he has been mentored directly from Bobby Wagner. Uh, I thought he played a really great game. Um, and, and then, obviously, lucky that there's not going to be an edge rusher that is quite to the degree of, like – greatness that Chandler Jones is because he's one of the best in the league. Right. And then on the inside, not somebody that's quite as great as JJ Watt, but like they, they have young guys there like Brian Moan in the middle. That was an undrafted free agent. He's really good. He played a great game last week. Can he keep that up? I don't know. Hope he can't, but right. Daryl Taylor, the former Tennessee Vol, 
He is quick and athletic, and he played a great game as well. So they don't have quite the, I guess, the the names there. And hope hopefully they're not going to play quite as well as Jones and Watt well, did. Well, maybe not the names, maybe not the experience. But yet. the athleticism and, and right. the skill is there. And that's why I'm saying, you know, the Seahawks, we're probably going to see a lot of their guys using, uh, I think people have been calling it like the ghost move that Chandler Jones does where he shows uh, the tackle his hands. And as soon as he shows his hands, he knows that causes the tackle to have to react and show their hands as well. And he's able to pull his hands back and then make another move. And it was so effective against LeJuan. And uh, I'm trying to think of who else he used it on. Uh, But just how, like you said, I don't think the Seahawks have that big of star power yet. I mean, they have some young guys that may eventually get there. They have young guys that are good. Right. But they don't have Chandler Jones. We we have to, jumping back to the Titans side of things, we're going to have to see Todd Downing call a lot better game. I mean, he can't just do this same predictable shit that he done against the Cardinals because that's what that's one of the things that did get us in the hole early. That's what we is talked it, about in the It, in it was the, in so the predictable that, you know, sitting up in the stands, you're like, okay, I know, I I know mean, what's going to happen here. Because run with Derrick Henry, run with Derrick Henry. If you're not, if you don't have a first down, pass. Right. And repeat. And make sense of play action. And that's the, that was the game script. Going back and watching the Colts and Seahawks game, the Colts opened up that game with a long drive. Granted, they only ended up getting three from it, but. I think there was roughly like three, four minutes left in the quarter when they got finished with that. uh, It was still around. It was like an eight, eight or nine minute drive. So there was still like five, six, okay. well, seven minutes regardless. left. Regardless. But, you know, they opened up with that long drive. They had, they were able to move the ball through the air. They had their run game going some. Uh, I know later on they ended up having to go away from the run a little bit and just kind of, like you said, keep hitting underneath stuff, especially to their running backs. But early on looking at some of this stuff, I'm like, if the Titans run blocking, can be on point, you know, maybe we get Derrick Henry going early and it's able to better set up that play action or, you know, the big play down the field. And that's best case scenario is that Derrick Henry comes out and he's able to establish some things early on. Now, granted, this is not November. This is not December. So don't expect Super Henry because it, it that's just not what he does. Okay. But it, it could be. But the, but the it's thing, not. But he he doesn't do that. Well, he the, doesn't do that the, early in the season. The um, main thing, he, right? He the is main thing, not that not best running back in the NFL until November, until December. Okay. He and he I stand, finally, I will stand by that. He finally got some running room against the Cardinals in the second half, and almost all he had to do was beat one more guy. Yeah, he all, has the potential. He has the potential to right, break that run that, open anytime. That's the point that I'm getting to. But that constant. Eight yards, seven yards, ten yards, that constant literally just beating it, up on everybody. It depends that on, doesn't happen until later in the on season. How good our offensive line go is. Go back and look at the go back and look at the trends. Look at his past two okay, seasons and I'm you'll see it about, every time. I'm talking about this season. If you go back and look at that Cardinals game, he how had many, one play. How many, he had one how play. many times was someone already in the backfield though when he got the ball? That's the point I'm trying to make. No, I get that. I get that. If he can't even take two steps before someone's there, that's not his fault. He can't get going if that's the case. No, and I mean he will once the season gets a little oh, bit further in towards so, the I, so I know saying, that you're wearing your Henry jersey. You're and saying I'm sorry that, You're saying that later in the season, if come November, just because it's November, he does better later in the season, when he's not even able to take two steps in the backfield and someone's there, he's still breaking the run. He for seven, eight yards. No, not necessarily. Okay, but what I am that's, saying that's the point that no, I'm but, getting to. No, but that's I, the point that I'm getting okay, to. Okay, now let me get to is, my point. Now that you got to your point, because <laughs> I, I get that. But what I'm saying is, even if he did have that offensive line play now and in the future, you're still not going to see what you're going to see in November. He's going to have his typical, sometimes he's going to have 80 yards, might have a touchdown. Sometimes he'll break 100. He'll get in that 100, 115 range-ish. 
you're not going to see the crazy Derrick Henry games until later in the season. It just most of the time does not happen. Now, what I the, the initial point that I was getting to, hopefully he can come out, establish the run game, because that will keep the Seahawks honest and hopefully keep them from sending some extra guys later on, let that pass game open up, and maybe keep some of the pressure from getting back to Tannehill. Here's what I'm going to say needs to happen on the Titans' first offensive drive. The first play they run needs to be that play action. Uh, yeah. That, because now, it's going – here's the thing. Because this is where you can start to throw teams off a little bit because teams are expecting you, especially after last week when you prove that pretty much every time you come out on first down, except for when you get down by a lot and go to shotgun, you're going to run the ball with Derrick Henry first first play. So hit them with that play action then. That's when it makes you know the most sense at the start of the game. Now, I'm definitely hoping to see the play calling be completely different on both sides of the ball because these are two young coordinators, um, new coordinators, really. I mean, so I'm interested to see, one, how can they adjust? How can they adjust after a bad game? Um, what, what kind of, I mean, how quickly can they realize that what they were doing is not working, possibly not just... Well, it didn't work for that game, but you know, maybe I need to make some adjustments, go ahead and get ahead of this so that it's not several games in a row where I'm completely just shit in the bed. Also, a couple of things with the Seahawks. Obviously, we've talked about got to make sure that you're not letting things happen over the top because right. they will do that. Also, because Russ can throw that deep ball. Yeah, he can. <laughs> and they also like to run this tight end screen. They've been doing it a I mean, I, I can't remember how many times I counted, but they did it a pretty significant number of times with Gerald Everett. And he's a tight end that's athletic. And mm -hmm. if you let that catch you by surprise, that could be one of those plays that was similar to the, um, who am I thinking of? Anyways, the big screenplay for the Cardinals last uh, week. Rondell Moore. Yeah, Rondell Moore. So you can't let things like that happen because those are plays obviously that can shift the game. That play shifted the game because that was right after the Titans, uh, the, Kevin Byard got the interception. Mm -hmm. They went down, AJ Brown scored. And then it was like, boom, huge play. It right. completely shifted things. So screens plays like that, especially though. I mean, they like to run that tight end screen. Sometimes they like to do it after they've set it up with a couple of good runs on a play action. And that's kind of similar to some things that the Titans used to do with John o. Smith. So, I mean, that's something to watch for there. Just things that they do offensively. I'm ready to see, can Shane Bowen look back at the film and put together a good, competent game plan that can stop what's been working for the other team? Well, and here's what I'm going to say. The Seahawks are another one of those teams that they have a good quarterback, they have good receivers, they have a good tight end, but their running backs are also – yeah, pretty I mean, good. Chris as well. Carson is good, and and he they, had some success last yeah, week too. And they can catch out of you know they can slip out of the back backfield and catch some passes. And you know there was a third and one early in the game. It looked like there may be nothing there because they tried to run him right up the middle. You're thinking, you know, the Colts kind of collapse in because the Colts usually have over the past couple of years they have a good run defense. You have DeForest Buckner right there, you know, to be able to help slow down the run. Third and Darius one. Leonard, who yeah. and he's he's great. So third and one, Carson busts it right up the middle and has a huge game. And I mean, even a stiff arming a guy getting over to the sideline. So you you have to watch out for the running backs as well. So this is going to be another you know test for our defense for sure. Yeah, a test. I mean. Basically, I feel like there are three main groups that I'm interested to see what happens here. I was actually about to get to that and ask you, what matchup are you most ready for? Is it going to be our secondary going against the receivers that the Seahawks have, or is it going to be our offensive line and see how they bounce back from last week? Well, there's three main things that I'm interested in seeing, and I'll put them in order. Um, number one... 
the offensive line against because I mean that was just the thing that stood out to me the most is the Seahawks their pass rush and how disruptive it can be. So offensive line obviously they struggled struggled last week. Um, how can Nate Davis rebound? How can Taylor Lewan rebound? How will things work out at right tackle? So all of that is probably number one for me. Secondly, defense as a whole, what can they do? I mean, because you've got the defensive line, you've got the pass rushers, how can they help keep Russ contained into the pocket, not let him extend plays? And then you've got the secondary. How? What are they going to do with DK Metcalf, with Tyler Lockett? And then obviously the linebackers as well. I hope David Long can get in and play because I think he would be a tremendous asset in this game. Um, well, I'm going to say this. If David Long doesn't practice tomorrow, more than likely he's not going to play. Yeah. but that, That's going to be my guess. I agree with that. Um, so then third, these first-year coordinators. I mean, for me, those are the three things that I'm most interested in seeing, seeing how those groups perform. And then, I mean – also, if Tannehill has some time, because he did not have time, this is kind of an honorable mention, I guess. If he's got some time, is he still at that level that we've seen him at the past two seasons? When he has time, and I mean, can he lead this offense to with the efficiency and to the production that he did the past two seasons? I'm going to just go ahead and say that I have no doubt that he can do that. He just needs time back there in the pocket. But you mentioned the coordinators, all that. I want to go back to talking about Todd Downing a little bit. And one thing I noticed, a lot of the runs that Henry had came whenever the offense was very bunched up. They had their receivers in closer, tight ends, and you know they had everyone really close together. So what does that allow the defense to do? Well, it allows them... To, to bunch up. And yeah, it, it brings more people all together right there in that yeah. smaller area. Exactly. So, I feel like I'm being quizzed. <laughs> you, you didn't know <laughs> there was a pop quiz today, <laughs> did you? So spread them out a little bit more. You know, make get your receivers on out. Maybe spread a tight end out a little bit wider. Just uh, open up that defense a little bit more and make it to where Henry's not having to go against all 11 guys right there in a – small space well here's my thing he might be a great running back and honestly he's the best in the nfl so even with that let's try not to make it so obvious every single time that you're going <laughs> to run him i mean he still kind of would benefit from that element of surprise you know so right. i mean even though he is great don't run out you know some guy, the water boy or whatever, with a sign onto the field before you snap it that's like, hey, Derek Henry's going to run the ball. <laughs> I mean, let's try to keep the elements of surprise a little bit on our side here. And that also comes with just switching up the playbook a little bit and adding in something that is not completely on script for what everybody knows that the Titans are going to do. So a couple more matchups I want to ask you about to see – which you are kind of most excited to see. Say the Titans do put Christian Fulton on DK. So you have that matchup. You have, and this is one that kind of there's several different options. Say you have a blasting game trying to block Wagner or Adams on a Henry run or Henry meeting one of those two guys or our receivers against their secondary. I am most interested to see. Now, this is probably one of the ones that's least likely to happen because uh, not saying that it won't happen at all, but out of the, out of those options, it's the least likely that we'll see. I'm most interested to see Henry getting past the first two levels and it being just him and Jamal Adams. Because, I mean, we've seen some Henry stiff arms, how does that work out when it's Jamal Adams? Now, one thing that I think would be interesting to see, because you know we had all of that going on with Ryan Clark last year about how he Henry doesn't run someone over. So, but he even said that you know if Henry does that, he will come out and say, "Okay, he's proved me wrong here." 
So, like, Henry and Wagner meeting, you know, right up the middle, that small space, and Henry running him over. But Does man, Henry win that battle, though? That That's that's why it's exciting <laughs> to see. You know, because you, you really have to think about it because Wagner's known as one of the harder hitters. Wagner's not a pushover. Right. But the matchup I'm actually most excited to see is I'm hoping the Titans do put Christian Fulton on DK, and I want to see that matchup. Because that'll be a good test for him. Right. Um, For me, I'm ready to get into our quick hitters for the end of the show. I don't know if you are. Yeah, but, I, I think so. We kind of you know, hit on what we have to watch out for with Seattle's offense and how their defense, I think, with this first game, kind of surprised both me and you because right. – you know, that was one of the things we talked about when the schedule was was released. Like, okay, this game is going to be tough because it's Seattle. They have a good offense, but maybe we can take advantage of their defense. But now, after seeing our offense week one and their defense week one, we don't know that we can do that. One last point. I mean, we've said it, I think, before, and just even telling Titans versus Seattle, they're going to Seattle right. to play this. There has not been fans in Seattle's stadium in a long time. So right. you know they're ready, and they've always been one of the loudest stadiums in in the foot, in the National Football League. That is so, definitely, I mean, that's a factor for sure. They are coming off a big win against the Colts. Exactly. In Indy. So you know those fans are going to be extra loud yep so let's get into the quick hitters um bold predictions uh keys keys to the game then bold predictions then score <laughs> predictions. it's been a while since uh we've done that obviously uh but keys to the game first and foremost i'm gonna go first um keep tyler lockett contained do not let him get behind you do not let him get deep one-on-one with bradley mcdougall or Dan Crookshank, for that matter. Hey, maybe Bradley McDougal is the answer. I mean, if he was in hey. Seattle, he knows Tyler Lockett, and maybe yeah. maybe he can handle that matchup. My key to the game is going to be give Ryan Tannehill time. Our offensive line needs that's, to keep – So keep, normally that's a pretty good one is that your your quarterback needs some time – Keep, to be able to run the offense. Keep Tannehill upright. Okay. That, that's going to be my key to the game. Kind of picking apples from the bottom of the tree there. <laughs> I mean, really, mister? I mean, we just talked about earlier in the show how Lockett was burning defense. I, I guess, obviously, defense. our keys to the game are always pretty, like, captain obvious. Yeah, yeah but, because, I mean, it's things that if you want to win. You got to do them. You got to do, do them. So, Let's get into the bowl predictions because this is something that I haven't been a part of the show for for uh, well, I mean, since I, last season. So. I, I included yours. I know, in but, it, I, but it didn't feel the same. Before <laughs> before we get into ours, and I'm going to go ahead and throw the score predictions out there as well. We're we're trying something new this year. We're trying to get you know fans of the show more involved, followers off of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter involved. So. You know, just asking them, give us a score prediction. If you want to, give us a bold prediction. My amazing wife, Carrie, she gave a score prediction of the Titans winning 24-21. to 21. That one, I'll be the first to say, that one worries me a little bit because that means we're having to bank on a field goal being made right. by Bullock. Her bold prediction, I kind of changed it up a little bit. She had said that Lewan would be solely responsible for making sure that Ryan Tannehill did not get touched by the pass rush. Did come back and say that, you know, she knows it's a group effort by the whole offensive line. So the way I changed it up a little bit is saying that Lewan would not let Tannehill be touched by the pass rush coming off of his side. You know, controlling what he can control. Uh, brother-in-law Thomas Peterson uh, Junior gave a score prediction of the Seahawks winning twenty four to ten. He just thinks that going into that environment, you know, especially with a team that has so much to fix against a good Seattle team, they just won't be able to get it all fixed. Drake Newton has the Seahawks winning twenty four to fourteen. 
tried to go back on his bold prediction because he realized that the two guys he was playing in fantasy had Russell Wilson as their quarterback. But he said that the Titans were going to let Russ cook, and he has Russell Wilson having 427 pass yards and three touchdowns. Levi Kelly, I mean, been a fan of the show since like we started up. Yeah. You know, just a great supporter. Didn't really give a score prediction, and I, I kind of have to dive into this a little bit. And Levi, I just have to say, if you're listening, man, I hope you're wrong <laughs> on this because I do not like this bold prediction. He His bold prediction is that Tannehill goes down with a minor injury. I, I'm knocking on wood because, I, I mean. We have equipment up here. <laughs> but he said that the Titans would be down by three touchdowns at that point. And Logan Woodside comes in, goes 12 for 14 for 287 yards, brings the Titans back to victory, and begins a new Titans era. Interesting. <laughs> so I can tell by your facial expression, you're like me, and you're like... If he gets this, we have to give him several points for his bold prediction. I don't want him to get this. <laughs> like, sorry, Levi, again, but... And then... The last score prediction that we got is was off of Instagram from Titans Torch. Make sure to go give them a follow. Their Instagram is at Titans Torch, so easy to find. Yep. They gave a score prediction of 31-14 to 14, Titans winning. So really, most of the time on here, all we have is Titans winning. And even last week, I know you weren't here, but all we had was Titans wins. Now we got some We've people got some saying Titans Seattle. Losses. So, I mean, I mean that's interesting because uh, obviously we'll see what we add in here when we give our score prediction predictions after the bowl predictions. But let's jump into those bowl predictions, and I'll let you take this one first since I, I knew I, you were going. No, you know what? You were gone last week. No, I took the key to the game. Uh, yeah, for, I'm actually you, doing you a favor by letting <laughs> you go first. So are we going with bold predictions? Yeah, first? Bold, bold predictions. Uh, bold prediction, the Titans offensive line will not allow any sacks this okay, week. Okay, I'll count that as bold because... They gave up six last week. That's not going to happen. So, <laughs> uh, I'm going to say bold prediction. Um, Derek Henry will... I can't really explain like the the wordage for how I want to say this other than I, I guess Derrick Henry will record a triple crown because or what is what's it called? What's it what's it called when the soccer player has, you know, the, the three go <laughs> hat trick? Yeah. Derrick Henry's gonna gonna go with the hat trick. The triple crown is with horse racing. I was a little <laughs> bit off on that. So I mean the, the, hey, it, triple crown, hat trick, whatever. It's all three. So Derrick Henry is going to end up with a rushing touchdown, a receiving touchdown, and a passing touchdown. Okay. That <laughs> you are going, you know, very bold with that. I'm a little nervous about mine just because last year I had really bad luck with my bold predictions. Well, so, I mean if you if you're doing it right, if you're making them bold, you honestly shouldn't get more than one or two. Right, you know. but I'm not even talking about getting them. I'm just talking about usually whatever I would say, the opposite would happen. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it, it makes me a little bit nervous doing that. But I got now, you there. on to our score predictions. I'll take this one first. You get to take this um, one first. I'm going Seahawks 27, Titans 14. Oh, wow. Because I, I don't think they take this one. Um, you don't think they get the, the I agree back. that I agree that there's still some things that need to be fixed. I think Taylor Lewan will play a better game. Um Obviously, I think the defense will play a little bit better. But, un unfortunately, I just think that the Seahawks are one of those teams that are they are really strong right now at the beginning of the season. I think the Titans will be a good team. I think they'll be one of those teams that get hot towards the end of the year. Right now, I think the, one, the Seahawks are just one of those teams that have came out hot. All right, I'm going to say that most of the time the Titans, over the last couple of years, when they've kind of had their backs pushed against the wall, they, they've kind of rebounded some and came out and found a way to win. And 
I've struggled with this all day because I've been thinking about it. My my mind wants to say that the Seahawks win, but and even when I done my season predictions when you were still gone, I had the Titans beating the Cardinals and then losing to Seattle. But I think the Titans will find a way to pull out a win, but it's going to be a very close game. I'm going to say Titans 28, Seahawks 27. Okay. And once again, you allow your bias to... Have you look, not, not keep it real? Hey, so look, I, I told people this is what, it, this is when, what we know. This is what the <laughs> facts are from this podcast. Is that I will always keep it real, and you uh, will always kind of like Derrick Henry being an an early season early season running back. <laughs> um, you'll kind of skew things in the favor of the Titans in look, all scenarios. Here's the, I, I never, on I, the other hand, will always bring. Information about the Titans, but factual information about the Titans. I never said that he was an early season runner. I didn't say that that was when he was at his best, but he has that ability. He he can break one at any time. That's like saying that Tom Brady, and, Tom Brady has the ability to run for a ninety nine yard touchdown. Now, now come on. But will he? No, Derrick Henry is not going to <laughs> well, have the here, games that he has in the late season, here, here's what in I the want, early season, because he is a late season running back. Here's what I want to throw out right quick. Whenever I done my season predictions, I was very open and honest. I said I had the Titans being finishing 12-5. and five. That, That's where I had them. I did have them losing to Seattle. But at the end of that, I did put a little disclaimer in there that when it comes to our game previews, more than likely, you do not need to expect me to pick the Titans to lose because it's not going to happen. I'm just I, messing with I, that. I, 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 I like I, getting just, you worked up. I already I, done look, it once this show. Had to saying, do, I had to I'm do it saying, to end the show. I, I, own, I own up to it. I admitted to it in the very first season preview. I, I admit to it. I, I want the Titans to win. I'm optimistic. I want them. It is hard to pick against the team that you love. I do, and I do enjoy getting you worked up on the show. I was really glad that I was able to do it to the degree <laughs> that I that I was able to with the Derrick Henry deal, um, and then I had to do it once again to end the show. So, is there anything else that you got to throw out about this game? Um, any other points you realize you forgot to make? Anything like that? Uh, nope, no other points. Just hope the Titans can rebound. And really, when it comes down to it, I just want to see them play better than they did last week. And I'm hoping that Derrick Henry is ready to really pack the stat sheet. So, <laughs> I mean, he, he really needs to bring his arm, his legs, and his hands. I mean, Because he's going to need all three of them, receiving, passing, and rushing. I mean, hey, we've seen two trick plays last. Exactly. <laughs> and, and we know that, that they've got that in the playbook for him. It's just, Honestly, it's just even more bold that you throw that out there considering the how predictable – the Titans play exactly, column was exactly. last week. So anyways, uh, thanks guys for watching. Hope you enjoyed the show. This has been Titans time. And as always, tighten up. Mm-hmm.